Hi, I'm Dennis Sheeran. And I'm Raymond Steinmetz from the Instant Relevance Podcast. And we're part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. If you're constantly rushing from one activity to the next, those thoughts don't have a chance to come. There has to be open space for your mind to wander, for you to daydream, for you to come up with creative solutions to problems. And it's not by trying harder. I think it's by trying less and, mm-hmm. and letting it happen and trusting that it will happen. If you, you know, if you go to, let's say, you know, you have a vacation, you go with your family to the beach for a couple of days and you don't think about school at all. And you come back and you're like, oh man, I was really hoping that I was going to like have this like lightning bolt of inspiration. And it didn't come. It will come eventually. You obviously needed a break. Your body and your mind said, I need to not be thinking about school. That was exactly what you were supposed to be doing. Hey there, I'm Amber Harper, former burned out teacher turned teacher burnout coach, dedicated to helping other teachers like you to grow through your burnout and take your next best steps toward what you want from your career in education and in life. After an embarrassing emotional breakdown in front of my teacher besties, I knew something needed to change, and that something was me. I decided that I wasn't going to settle for burnout as my sentence, as a teacher, mom, wife, or friend. And I knew it was going to take way more than practicing conventional self-care to make the progress I wanted to make. No amount of manicures, bottles of wine, or bubble baths was going to save this girl. Fast forward a few years later, and I've used everything I've learned about teacher burnout and personal development to write a book, build a course, and lead a community of burned-in teachers who refuse to settle for a life of burnout as their forever reality. I've used my burnout as an opportunity to become an active participant in my life, in the classroom and here on the mic, using all that I've learned to teach kids and serve teachers. And you can do the same. The Burned In Teacher podcast is one part burnout and all other parts action, inspiration, and support to help you grow through your burnout and live a happier, more fulfilled career and life. So take a deep breath, my friend, because you're about to take your next best step to becoming a Burned In Teacher. Now let's get started. Well, hey there, Burned In Teachers. Welcome to episode 114 of the Burned In Teacher podcast. So you probably heard a really familiar voice at the beginning of this episode in the pre-roll, and it is Angela Watson, and I'm so excited to share my interview with her. You'll hear me say it in the interview, but I have followed Angela for years, and I know that many of you are very familiar with her. Uh, So... (laughs) In our conversation, (laughs) I paid very close attention and of course as I was editing the episode, I really listened deeply to what she had to say and about how I can apply what, what she is preaching to my own life and especially, you know, going back into the classroom in the fall, I have had a lot of those feelings of, you know, moving from one task to another and balancing burned in teacher and you know, what it is that I can do to support teachers through the summer and how I can support myself as a teacher going back into the classroom in the fall. And I've decided that as I've listened to my gut and because, like I said, I'm constantly rushing from one task to the next, 
you know, this episode is airing on June 21st and my husband's last quote unquote last day of school is, um, is, is today, the day that I'm recording this. And I was just in my classroom today, just kind of going through some things and, you know, just kind of taking it in, spending time in this space, you know, as I've gone through this entire process of really considering deeply going back into the classroom, I have paid attention to how I feel more than I probably ever have in my entire life. When the position opened and I noticed, I thought about how I felt. I felt excited. When I decided I was going to email the principal, now my principal, about this position and the potential of maybe sitting down and and chatting with her, I paid attention to how I felt. I felt excited. It felt right. When I drove to the school, I paid attention to how I felt. I felt excited. I felt ready. I felt calm. I felt calm even. (laughs) And if you know me, for me to be calm, that is a good, good feeling. And, and you'll understand here why in just a second. And as I walked into the school, how did I feel? You know, and even before that, when I parked my car, when I saw my principal, when I saw my now teaching partner, it all felt so right. It all felt like this was what was supposed to happen. And I still honestly feel that way. I'm, I'm very, very excited. On the opposite end of this, going into, you know, these last couple of weeks of June, I'm anticipating and and very excited about some vacations that we have planned. One vacation with our girls. We're going to go out west and go hiking. That is our favorite thing to do as a family. We have a really fun boat trip planned with some of our very closest friends when we get home. And I'm going to be honest, when I think about the work that I need to do for Burned In Teacher right now, I'm paying attention to how I feel about that as well. And I am exhausted. <laughs> I'm very, very tired. I love my work for Burn and Teacher. I love podcasting. I love interacting with the members of the Burned and Teacher Tribe Facebook community and the members of uh, the Mastermind. And we've got a couple of weeks left. We have two more group coaching calls. And I really look forward to those and love them. Last night we had a, a Burn and Teacher happy hour. Um, where anybody could just jump on Zoom with me for free. And I um, I aired it live in the free Burned In Teacher Podcast Facebook community. And, and we laughed a lot. And we talked about, if you follow me on Instagram, we talked about diet, you know, in, in the form of, you know, gut health and <laughs> paying attention to what we put in our bodies. And it was just a really good discussion. And I'll come back to that here in just a second as well. But when it comes down to it, I'm not feeling as excited as I typically am at this point in a mastermind. I'm not feeling as energized as I typically am at this point of the year, or at least what I've noticed in the last couple of years. I am very, very tired, and I think it's because I really need a break. I need a break, a clean break from from this chapter of my life, Um you know, doing burned in teacher full time. And again, burned in teacher is not going away, but I need a clean, I need a clean break. And, and this is because I really want to get into the mindset of how is it that I can set myself up for the most success going into the 2021-22 school year as a full-time teacher and as a teacher burnout coach on the side, because I am going to be doing both. 
and I really need a clean break to do what Angela will talk about in this interview, which is take time to regroup, take time to step, step back, to dream, to really pay attention to how my body and mind are feeling, and, I, and I'm starting right now. And I was telling myself the story that I would air this episode, this, this interview with Angela, and then next week I would do an entire solo episode about everything that I'm doing. And honestly, I just don't have the energy for it. I don't want to do it. And you'll hear, you'll hear Angela, it was, it was funny. So when she said what she will say in this interview, she just said, why? If I don't have to, why would I tell myself that I have to? And something that I think we'll talk about a lot in the coming, you know, whenever the podcast starts back up again in August is asking ourselves why. Why are we telling ourselves these stories about what it is that we have to do or don't have to do? And I'm going to lean into that. So this is going to be the last episode here in June and for the rest of the summer. And the podcast will be coming back in August. And, uh, you know, one thing that's been really tiring is I have been batching interviews. You know, I've talked about blocking and batching a lot here on this podcast and how it's helped me so much. It helped me when I was teaching full time. And you better believe that I'm going to be doing that again, (laughs) going back into the classroom in the fall. And I've been recording some wonderful interviews with other educators that I'm really excited to share with you in the fall. But that takes a lot of time and energy to to do, you know, between six and 10 interviews. And now I'm going to make the most that I possibly can out of the next few weeks of my summer with my family. You know, my girls are home too. So I really, I think that's something that I'm also needing to pay attention to is that when I'm in here working and doing this work that I love, my, my kids are out, you know, doing whatever it is that 13-year-olds and almost 20-year-olds do. And I want to be part of that. And um, and I can. So, so what I'm going to be doing for the next few weeks of my summer is, of course, taking these um, vacations that we're so lucky to be able to take with family and with friends. But I'm also really going to be leaning in and focusing on how I can set future Amber up for success. And I know you've heard me say this before. So I told you that this week I would kind of let you know what those things are. Uh, so number one, <clears throat> I am going to focus on learning how to efficiently and effectively and simply fuel my body so that I can feel and do my best every day. You know, I've, if again, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I love to work out. I have a pretty good exercise routine. That's become a habitual part of my life. When it comes to my diet, it's not awful, but it could be better. And I've been really learning a lot about how to take care of my mental health by taking care of my, my gut health. I've learned a lot about the anti-inflammatory diet. We've been eating a lot more vegetarian meals. We're not fully vegetarian, but um, I won't go too deeply into that, but... That is something that I have made of a high priority for myself this summer. I need some time to lean into that. I'm going to take time to focus on creating a minimalist wardrobe. Um, You're going to notice a theme here in these things that I'm going to share with you that I'm really going to focus on, and that is the word simple. I want a simple wardrobe. I I don't want to have to think about putting a ton of different pieces together and have a closet full of clothes that I don't like or I don't want to wear. So I'm going to focus on that. I've been binge watching a ton of YouTube videos and learning about a capsule wardrobe and, and those things take time. So I'm going to be leaning into that a little bit. 
I want to focus on creating a simple transition back into my classroom, not just for me, but for my students. So I have been, um, I purchased some books. I'm going to share them with you here. I'll have them in the show notes. I have really been, it has come highly recommended to me for me to learn about this responsive classroom model. So responsive classroom is not new, and you may have heard of some of these books, but I, I'm going to be reading The Power of Our Words, Teacher Language That Helps Children Learn, uh, The First Six Weeks of School, which is not new. I've heard of many teachers reading this. I never have. And then, of course, what every kindergarten teacher needs to know about setting up and running a classroom. And so far, I've, I've dove into these books a little, a little bit each just to kind of see what they're all about, and I am so excited to really... Uh, to get my highlighter and a pen and just dive into these things about how I can set up a an inclusive uh, classroom that focuses on social emotional learning so that I can really connect with these kids and help them to love learning and love school. And my word of the year uh, now this year has been simple and slow because I am a go, go, go person. And as I said earlier, as calm as I have felt about things, those anxious feelings are settling in. And I need a break to do these things and pay attention to them. And of course, one last thing that I will be spending time doing this summer and beyond is I am taking part in the 40-hour Teacher Work Week Club. I have heard Angela talk about this since she created it back in 2015. And I've never, I've never uh, enrolled and I'm all in. I started it today. I listened to um, to these five bonus episodes that she has, and I am already like, yes, this is exactly what I needed. And to, and and a lot of things that she's saying, actually, I will I will admit, are things that I know. But of course, to hear it from Angela Watson is like hearing it again for the first time. And you'll hear me tell her in this interview that I I'm ready to to level up. I have pretty good productivity strategies, but. I want to know all of the secrets. <laughs> so in addition to creating an inclusive, collaborative, you know, a strong community of learners, I also want to be an effective and efficient teacher. I want to use my time the best that I possibly can because I will be balancing family life, you know, the life outside of work, and of course working full-time as a teacher and burden teacher. So time management is going to be extremely important to my success. And I want to let you know that I am an affiliate of the 40-Hour Teacher Work Week. So if you want to check it out and you want to join us, go to bit.ly slash 40HTWBIT. Again, that's bit.ly slash 40HTWBIT. And Angela and I and the thousands of other teachers who are enrolled in this club would love to see you there. So before I dive into this interview, I really want to wish you a summer full of rest and relaxation and regrouping and rejuvenation, all the re's. <laughs> so when we restart our school year, we are showing up as our best selves. And I can't imagine a better way to end this season of the Burned In Teacher podcast than with talking to somebody who has really been a long distance virtual mentor of mine. She didn't even know it. <laughs> Um, for years and and to really give yourself permission as I'm giving myself to try less. I know that's something that I need in my life so badly is to try less, live simply and breathe deeply and rest hard, <laughs> right? We work so hard. Let's rest hard too. Let's listen to ourselves and 
I will still be around on social media. You may hear me. Uh, you may have me jump into your inbox here and there throughout the summer, but I am just going to take this as an opportunity to start the new chapter of my life as a kindergarten teacher and your teacher burnout coach. And I'm so excited. All right, burn in teachers. I will see you soon. Let's dive into the interview. Angela, welcome to the Burn and Teacher Podcast. I'm so honored to have you here today. Hey, Amber. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about you. I'm, I'm pretty sure that most of my listeners are going to know the name Angela Watson, but for, for those people who are new to the podcast or new to podcasts at all, you know, maybe this is their first time meeting you. So tell us a little bit about your teaching journey and, and what it is that you do now to support educators. Sure. So I was a classroom teacher for 11 years. And I've been doing instructional coaching and educational consulting since 2009. Mm -hmm. um, and through that time, as I'm sure we will be talking about, that I have hit multiple periods of burnout, feeling like I needed a change. And I think what's been really cool about my journey is that everything just sort of happened organically. Mm -hmm. If you had asked me, you know, 20 years ago, if, if I would be doing this, I would have never seen it. And I feel like even five years ago, I never would have seen it. So it's really cool to think about um, a, a career in education as being something that's always kind of evolving. There's always new possibilities as new technology comes out. There's new mm -hmm. things that you can do and just sort of following the things that really get you excited mm -hmm. and make you want to try something new. And, and, and for me, it's been a lot of sort of chasing those fresh new challenges and trying to solve ever increasingly big problems in education. <laughs> I, I've often said, and it's not funny, but it is, it is coincidental, if not ironic that, you know, teaching is always, I've always had this feeling of, gosh, can it get any, can it get any harder? It can't possibly get any harder. And then COVID was like, hold my beer. Let's just <laughs> check this out. You know? And it was, it, it was such a you, unimaginable, unimaginable yeah. challenges. Um, and I know you, you and I have both, you know, in addition to many other, you know, people who are focusing on teacher and educator wellness have really touched on and tried to help in these situations. So quick backstory. I found you, I found the truth for teachers podcast back in 2015, 2016. Um, and actually it was the summer after I started burn in teacher. So I started listening to podcasts, education podcasts about the, around that time and found you and you had just started the, the 40 hour teacher work week. And I just, I think that's, I just think back to that summer when I was listening to you on our way home from the Outer Banks and thought, wow, you know, maybe someday I can have a podcast and I can help teachers in this way. So I'm just, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm fangirling a little bit. <laughs> I, I'm curious about a specific burnout story that maybe you have that you would be willing to share where you have transitioned yourself out of that burnout. And maybe even and here on the podcast, we look at burnout as an opportunity for growth and change and how you used that burnout or how you moved through it. And it doesn't have to be pretty, you know, burnout can moving through burnout can be messy, but how it is that you kind of transitioned yourself into a um, maybe, maybe better isn't the word, but it, but a different, um, growth-based version of yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the first time that I really hit burnout as a teacher was my, uh, third or fourth year. It was pretty early on, um, in my career and I majored in early childhood education. So that's grades pre-K to three. 
And I had always thought that I had wanted to teach in early childhood because I did not like standardized tests. Um, this was the late nineties. And so it really wasn't nearly as bad as it was today, but I could already see where things were going. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I do not want to do that. I want to do this very like child centered, you know, way of learning that is very play-based and all of that kind of stuff, which even back then was only really happening in early childhood, the transition away from anything child, child centered, I feel like into more, a more standardized approach to education had already begun. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a job teaching pre-K and it was wonderful. I loved it, but it's tiring. You know, you've got kids who don't literally don't know how to wipe themselves in the bathroom and you have to teach them to do that. Um, I mean, like really, really basic things. And as a teacher, I felt like there were things that I wanted to do with my students that they couldn't handle at that age. Mm -hmm. You know, I really, I was like, it would be so cool if they could walk into the room and read something that I had written on the board and then do that thing instead of me having to like have picture cues or something. Like I, I was like, oh, we could do all these group projects, but you know, they're, mm, they can't do that. So I just started to feel like I was missing out on some of the cool learning strategies that I could do with my students. And I thought about leaving teaching altogether. It's like, maybe I just don't want to be a teacher anymore. I don't know. But I remember going into the dollar store and seeing these little, um, like cute little shaped erasers that I had always used for math manipulatives for my pre-K kids and thinking like, oh my gosh, if I'm not a teacher, we can't do like, you know, panda shaped math manipulatives. It's going to be heartbreaking. <laughs> like that whole creative outlet is going to be gone. Mm -hmm. And I realized, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm nowhere near ready to leave teaching at this point. I just need, I think I need to work with a different um, age of students. Mm -hmm. And so the highest grade that I was certified to teach was third which is great because, you know, at that point they're transitioning away from learning to read to reading to learn, which was exactly what I wanted. Mm -hmm. And it was thrilling. I was like, oh my gosh, like they can write stuff. They can work together. Like they, I don't have to accompany them to the bathroom. <laughs> like there's all <laughs> kinds of wonderful advantages with having eight and nine-year-old kids. And it completely reinvigorated my teaching. Like, I feel like that's what kept me in the profession for at that point, almost another 10 years. Mm -hmm. was moving up to third grade. I did teach second grade at one point during that, but third grade really became my sweet spot. Mm -hmm. And so I think that would be the first piece of advice that I would give to any teacher who is sort of struggling with burnout as, as you talk about a lot, is just sometimes just a change of grade level, a change of school. Um, I, I did change schools multiple times. I've taught at like eight different schools over the course of 11 years, <laughs> lots of different environments because the morale and the culture can vary so much from one school to the next, even in the same district, even like on the same street, it can be a completely different working and learning environment. Mm -hmm. So I have found that like, you know, in the first time that I hit burnout, that really made a big difference for me and it helped for a long time. Mm. So a couple of things I'm pulling from that. So I remember in fewer things better, you talk about the hobby of teaching mm -hmm. and how, if there's something that you enjoy doing that really could be considered work, but you really do enjoy doing it that there's nothing wrong with, th with that. It's that drudgery work or those things that you're not looking forward to, or those things that you just don't love doing that. Maybe you can start to think about simplifying or delegating or eliminating, you know, those kinds of things, but really it made me smile. Like I had my hands on my heart. Whenever you said, like you saw those eraser caps, like that's a sign that there's still hope. Like if yes. you really want to keep trying that there can be a, a simple shift or, a, or a big leap in a different 
in a, you know, in a different environment or a different grade level or a different school or whatever that looks like for you, that it doesn't always have to be, you don't have to believe that this is it for you. Like this isn't working in pre-K, so I'm not going to be a teacher anymore. Yes. And you're so right to bring up that idea of, of hobby work. That's something that I talk about a lot with teachers. Like there are things that are required and there are things that we do just for fun, just because we enjoy them. I loved creating center materials for my students. I would spend my evenings and weekends making games for them because it was fun for me. That wasn't something anyone asked me to do. I didn't have to do that, but I wanted to. And what's kind of interesting about hobby work is that can be what sustains you through the work work, through the stuff that like you have to do and you really don't want to do like the data collection and the email and all the stuff that's just far less rewarding is figuring out what are the aspects of this job that really do excite me and that are fun for me to do and leaning into those harder, not thinking about that as like, oh, I'm doing work all the time or like teaching never ends, but like, no, I'm choosing. This is a hobby for me. I love this part of it and it can really sustain you. Yeah. And I love that you use the word choice there because us adults, we are no different than kids when it comes to wanting to have some choice and autonomy in our work. And uh, another thing I'm glad you touched on is that difference in culture between districts or buildings. And I can so relate to that. And I'm sure many listeners have heard me talk about the difference between two grade levels. My first couple of years teaching were really hard because of the toxic culture in a grade level. And when I was moved from first grade to second grade and the second grade teachers were like, share, share, like, let's hear all the ideas. And if we want it, great, we'll do it. If not, we'll just, we'll use what we want. And, you know, we know you're not trying to be bossy. You're not trying to come in and take things over. Like we're a collaborative team and and you can do what you want. And it was just such a different experience. And I never realized until that moment how those simple shifts and transitions can make the biggest difference ever. That's such a great point. Cause it's not even necessarily about, I want to teach a different grade. It's maybe I want to work with these teachers mm-hmm. who are at a different grade. Cause every grade level has a totally different vibe. Kindergarten is completely different from the fifth grade team, mm-hmm. for example, you know, and like to find the personality types that work with yours and to find that kind of like collaborative energy, like that can totally reinvigorate your teaching. Yeah, absolutely. And, and speaking of a different grade level and different teachers and and different content and different, you know, different requirements is I'm coming from a first, second, third, and a little bit of fifth grade background. And I'm transitioning into a kindergarten position. And what I'm really excited about with this position is that I get to teach with somebody who I've gotten along with in a separate setting for a very long time. My husband actually used to be a principal there. And so we would hang out outside of school, Christmas parties, we'd had them over to our house and I'm really excited about working with her. You know, of course I'm excited about working with the kids, but I'm really looking forward to that relationship. And we just seem to be on the same page about collaboration and and instruction. And, um, and I'm going to learn so much from her, but those relationships with your teachers are so important. Um, so I'm just really glad that, that we've had this, this conversation about that. Yes. Teacher besties can make all the difference. Just (laughs) one person, literally one person in the school makes all the difference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's kind of go into th- this idea of transitioning. You just did a fantastic episode about regrouping after this crazy school year um, and, and transitioning into summer. So if you kind of want to allude to that, and of course we can link this episode into the show notes, but if you kind of want to quickly go through how we can transition into a summer that is going to maybe reignite us and reinvigorate us. But then also I'm curious about, because you and I were chatting on via email and I said, you know, I believe that summer is of course 
a wonderful time to embrace rest, relaxation, uh, regrouping like you, like you said, but you and I kind of talked a little bit about, but how can we also maximize this time? And you talk about, you know, dreaming about the future, but actually dreaming and maybe doing some things to set us up for success. Um, once school begins again in the fall. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that daydreaming piece is really important. Um, particularly because I think there's going to be so many people giving advice on, you know, take this webinar this summer, do this court, like do this, like plan this. And I think we have to be really careful not to jump back into our pre COVID levels of busyness. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, this past year and a half has created varying levels of trauma for different people, but we have all been impacted. Like this has not been an easy time for anyone. Um, and I think trying to move forward without healing first doesn't work. And I think expecting someone else to lead the healing process for you mm -hmm. um, or expecting your district to be super mindful of that, it's probably not going to happen. And if they're not doing it, I think you have to really do it for yourself to realize that like this year took a lot out of you and to really be in tune with what is it that you need in order to recover. And I feel like you know, a lot of it for me is really just having the mental bandwidth to take a break from thinking about everything, <laughs> um, you know, and, th and there's a level of privilege to that. You know, some teachers have to teach summer school, you know, or work a second job and you don't have a whole lot of free time over the summer and summers have been increasingly shortened for teachers as there's more PD and there's more, you know, all kinds of stuff that's creeping into teachers free time. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not necessarily that this is easy, but that's part of why it's so important to do to give yourself time where you are not even thinking about school. Because I feel like when I take those breaks from thinking about work, mm -hmm. like it comes up anyway. <laughs> and when it does, a lot of times it's with really creative solutions. Like I'll just, you know, I'll be doing something completely different. I'll be like gardening or something. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, I know what I could do. Like, yeah. oh, this cool thing could work. And that's the kind of headspace that I want to stay in because that's really energizing. It's not where you're like ruminating on problems and worrying about what's going to happen. But it's like you're living your you're living your best life. You're off like doing your thing and not focusing on school. And then all of a sudden something will come to you that really just lights you up. And I feel like creating space for that is super important. It's something that we're not really taught to do. Mm -hmm. But if you're constantly rushing from one activity to the next, those thoughts don't have a chance to come. There has to be open space for your mind to wander, for you to daydream, for you to come up with creative solutions to problems. And it's not by trying harder. I think it's by trying less and, mm -hmm. and letting it happen and trusting that it will happen. If you, you know, if you go to, let's say, you know, you have a vacation, you go with your family to the beach for a couple of days and you don't think about school at all. And you come back and you're like, oh man, I was really hoping that I was going to like have this like lightning bolt of inspiration. And it didn't come. It will come eventually. You obviously needed a break. Your body and your mind said, I need to not be thinking about school. That was exactly what you were supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And just trusting your intuition there that you will be led toward the right solutions at the right time. And if that means like doing the least amount possible for school this summer, then that's what you need. I love that. I love that. So many people have talked about, you know, being grateful for the, almost the permission to be like, it's okay. It's really okay to shut it down. We're going on vacation in a couple of weeks. I am not taking my computer. And my <laughs> husband's like, You're really not taking your computer. And I'm like, I'm really <laughs> not taking my computer. 
because we do, we, we kind of tell ourselves these stories or we, we are made to feel that we should be using this time to prepare for school. And that does not have to be the case at all. That's right. And I think we, we feel like, well, if I don't use my summer to get ahead, then I'm just going to be stressed out. That first week back is going to be stressful. I can't wait till teacher planning days to go in and work. I need more time to set up my classroom and get everything together. And that may be true, but I don't think you have to rush to that space. I think taking the break first is going to get you better results than trying to like let, let school be hanging over your head for the whole summer. You really do have to train yourself to take that mental break and trust yourself. Trust that when you come back, you're going to have more energy and more focus. I'm so glad to hear you say this too, because this is where my, my, my brain has been catastrophizing, which is Mm -hmm. where we go whenever we worry. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I'm doing a lot of, I'm, I'm doing a lot of winding things down that I, that I've been doing for burned in teacher and some other things I've been doing on the side. I'm winding those things down so I can gear up for going back into the classroom. And I keep telling myself these things like, well, you, you have to do this by this date, because if you don't like, this is, you know, there's going to be this ripple effect and you're not going to be prepared and you're not going to be able to focus on like my brain is like all the time about what it is that, that has to be done. And luckily I have the skills. I followed people like you and I've done my own work and I can talk myself out of that and say, no, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to happen. So I I'm really, thank you for, for helping me to remember that as well. Yeah. You're (laughs) not the only one (laughs) (laughs) for sure. So, so when we take that, when we mentally distance ourselves from all things work and we take that break and we do the gardening or we do the vacationing, doing those things that make us us, like you said, living our best lives when it is time to start thinking about school and how it is that we can set ourselves up to continue to live our best life when school starts. Because I think there's sometimes this, this belief that there's, there's this fence that we hop over, or there's this door that we go through that it's like, okay, this is summer me. This is my best life me. And now there's teacher me. And I don't subscribe to that. I think that we can, that we can live our best life and be an effective teacher at the same time. So do you have any suggestions on on how I or how teachers can, in a healthy way, do some work that maybe doesn't necessarily have to do with curriculum instruction, but how we can transition back into school to set ourselves up for success? It's so interesting that you mentioned this idea of like the summer you, because uh, one of my good friends that I used to teach with, her name is Michelle. And she said her husband always is a sad in August because he was like, oh, I liked summer Michelle. Summer Michelle was like happy to see me. Like summer Michelle was like, you know, exercising and getting fresh air and hanging out with her friends and doing all these things to take care of herself. So she was in a good mood and, you know, was present. And she was, you know, we had like a, a, a pretty, it was funny, but also kind of sad at the same time, because it's very relatable. Like you actually are kind of two different people as a teacher. A lot of us are, you know? And, and so I I think about that a lot, like how to keep summer Michelle during the school year. And I've always said I was going to do a podcast on that. I need to do that um, at some point, because I think it's really relatable. You know, I think part of it may be examining what are those things that make the summer version of you happier? Like, what is it that you're doing? I mean, for her, it was, she was getting more sleep. 
And she was getting to exercise, which was very important to her. Like mentally, she just felt so much more clarity when she would, um, uh, she was like to run and she just didn't have time for it during the school year. Mm -hmm. But if you know that those are two things that really make a big difference for you, it might be worth getting up earlier. It might be worth trying to figure out like, how do I squeeze a nap there in the evening Mm -hmm. or, you know, lay down for 20 minutes after school to make sure that I have enough rest, like figure out what are maybe just a handful of really key things that make things so much less stressful for you in the summer and figure out how can you bring those into the school year. Mm -hmm. And you may not be able to do that during the work week. It may be something that happens on the weekend, but just saying, I know for me, getting to uh, run and getting to sleep is important for me. So how can I make that happen on Saturdays and Sundays if I can't do it during the week? Mm -hmm. And thinking about like, what are those things that give you better balance during the summer? How can you implement some variation of that as much as possible during the school year? Mm, I love that so much. So what those two things that you just mentioned, those are two things that are of high priority in my life. I I love to exercise and I know that I need a good amount of sleep. Um, Almost to the fact where it's like, see if I'm, I'm out, I'm going to bed. And everybody, my, I have two daughters, one who is almost 20, one who's 13. And then my husband, who's both a night owl and a morning person, which drives me crazy (laughs) because he can stay up late and get up early. And if I stay up late, I am worth nothing in the morning. And I love to get up early and work out. Like I get up at five in the morning, still in the summer. So I'm so glad that you, that you touched on this because I think that it, it, this is where true balance lies, right? Where you think about your highest priorities and how you're going to build that into your schedule, that it doesn't have to be all work and then all hashtag adulting, that this is where we work in those things that are truly pieces of self-care that can make all of the difference. Yes. So how do you, uh, what are some things that make you your best self? I'm, I'm wondering now, what are some things that, that you do to keep yourself, you know, transitioning out of your summer, Angela? And I know that you are, <laughs> I know that you're very busy in the summer. Yeah. Summertime is my, my busiest time. December is my least busy time, which is why I've started now this habit of moving forward and taking a sabbatical every year. I'm sure we'll get into that at some point. Um, but I also feel like, as you're saying, you can't just wait and say for me to say, well, I'll rest in December would be the same as a teacher saying, I'll wait and rest in July. You can't do that. Like you cannot go 24 seven for, you know, 11 and a half months out of the school year and think that that's going to sustain you. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's been really interesting to explore, like, what are the things that help me live my best life? Because I feel like, especially as, as women, and I think it's, I'm not a mom, but I think it's especially true for mothers that you learn to always put your own needs last. And a lot of women and especially moms that I talk to don't even know what are the things they need to sustain themselves because they've never really had the space to explore that. If they have a spare minute, it's spent, you know, wiping down the kitchen counters or do another load of laundry or, you know, something for someone else, great, a set of a stack of papers for someone. And so they never really get a chance to know themselves. Mm-hmm. And for me, it has been really a lifelong journey of noticing, um, what energizes me, what de-energizes me, what helps me feel better. 
um, as an introvert, I need a lot of alone time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the more time alone, <laughs> really the better for me. I discovered during COVID, there's kind of no limit to the amount of alone time that I like, mm-hmm. uh, which is interesting because a lot of introverts were really suffering and realizing I actually need people more than I thought. I need people less than I thought. As yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm just fine with my own company. So, yeah. you know, making sure I have that, making sure I'm communicating appropriately, uh, with my partner, um, my husband to let him know, you know, I'm just, I'm oversaturated. I just need some time alone. Mm-hmm. Um, paying attention to that helps. And being outside is super important for me. Like have to like multiple times a day, I'm just outside as much as possible. If I'm working and the weather's nice, I'll go sit outside and work on the laptop. Like anything to just get outside in nature is so restorative to me because I find myself taking these little momentary breaks to notice like, oh, look at how the sun is, is streaming through the trees or, oh, look at that little butterfly or, you know, I, those kinds of distractions fill my soul. Like it's not taking away from the work, it's actually adding to the work and it's making it feel like, um, I'm actually present in my experience. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing that has been really, really important to me. And then also I would say surrounding myself with people who really, uh, push my thinking and help me to become better. Um, both friendships and actually I love TikTok. I'm super into TikTok. I don't like have my own where I don't, I don't make TikToks, but um, I'm the same. I just lurk. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I just follow awesome people. And every time I open that app, I'm like, gosh, I just learned so much about myself. I just learned so much about the world. I learned so much about how the patriarchy functions, how capitalism functions, how white supremacy functions. Like, I feel like I learned so much and it's all these like, Ooh, mind blown moments. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's actually personal development for me, TikTok. Do you feel like that? I totally, totally <laughs> feel that way. Because what also intrigues me is like, wow, these people are brilliant. Like they yes. just taught me so much in such a short period of time. And it was super fun to watch. Yes. That is, it, yes. It's incredible. Yeah. Like, I feel I, like TikTok is like my happy place now. <laughs> But it's kind of like as an adult and as an educator, you're like, should I say that? Like, we want to get kids <laughs> off the screen. But it is, it is kind of a release in that way. And I think that's something so important to, to, to think about and, and to kind of focus on for a moment is that paying attention. How does this make me feel? Because if TikTok or Instagram or Pinterest is making you feel that, then that is some good self-care. But mm-hmm. if you're watching TikTok or being on Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, whatever, and you feel awful, that is the exact opposite of self-care. And I think the words that you said that are, that I have been harping for so long are paying attention, Mm -hmm. pay attention to how you feel and when, and pay attention to what ignites you, what gets you excited, what makes you feel better, what makes you feel rested, what makes you feel drained? Because I think sometimes we all get put in this educator box, like you're a teacher. So these are the things that you like, and these are the things that you do. And these are, these are the ways that you should feel we are all so, so different and we all enjoy different things. And I think in our, in our, um, quest to, to maybe fit in or to, you know, subscribe to that good teacher narrative of what good teachers dress like, or what they do with their free time or what they enjoy watching or doing when there's a lot of room for individuality, when it comes to taking care of yourself and living that best life. Yes. We're not all the same. And I feel like I'm not even the same from day to day. No, I have days when I just like, I don't want to get off the couch and guess what? 
I'm not going to like, I'm just not, if I don't have to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to like pressure myself. Like, oh, you should get up and be productive. Why? If I, if my body's telling me to rest and I'm paying attention Mm -hmm. to that signal and honoring that signal, then I trust the next day I'm going to have more energy. Like yesterday I got hardly anything done. Like I just, it just wasn't a productive day. I had this long to-do list and like, it's just not happening. Whatever. I'm just, I'm going to read. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to sit outside. I'm going to watch some TikToks. I'm going to talk to some friends. Like it's just, it's going to be one of those kind of days. And guess what? To, this morning has been super productive. I woke up at five 30 in the morning and was just like, go, 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 go. And I think it's because I honored that in myself that I don't expect myself to have consistent levels of productivity from day to day. And the really cool thing is, as a teacher, once you recognize that in yourself, then you can stop having that expectation for students. Because it used to drive me nuts when I would have a kid who was like on the ball one day and then the next day, like they won't even write their name on their paper. I'm like, dude, what's going on? Like, I don't understand. Like you did the first half of the project. What's happening now? Because we are not robots. We don't have the same energy levels every day. Mm -hmm. Like maybe they didn't get enough sleep. Maybe they didn't eat breakfast. Maybe something traumatic happened. Maybe they're distracted by something in their personal life. Maybe what's, they're just, you know, not feeling as, um, awake today or, you know, their bodies, maybe there's some pain someplace in their bodies. And when you start to recognize that in yourself, then you can extend that sort of, I hate to say the word grace because it's been so overused this year, but I feel like that's really the root of it Mm. is being able to notice in yourself. Like I don't perform at an optimal level 24 seven. I no longer expect myself to. And when I don't expect myself to, then I don't get disappointed or frustrated or angry when others don't either. Mm. I this is such a great way to kind of talk about, you know, even though we as humans and and you and I doing what we do and, and being involved in, in so many teachers lives that we can identify this, that when you step back and take care of yourself, you are able to then look at students on a human level. Mm-hmm. The fact, because even though we don't work in, we don't work in an occupation that looks at humans on the human level that that's where that systematic change can begin with us in our classroom, with our kids, in our teaching teams, in our grade level. Like that's something. So I know that, you know, Alexis Shepard, the Afro educator, this is where she and I have been having a lot of conversations on Marco Polo about how, you know, we want to have a big impact on educators. We want to change the system, but when it comes down to it, I'm deciding not to be in politics. I'm deciding not to be you know, part of that, you know, the bureaucracy of it. I'm choosing to be a teacher. Therefore, I'm going to choose to focus my energy on systematic change at a smaller level with maybe the teachers that listen to this podcast, maybe the teachers that follow me on Instagram, maybe the teachers that I get to teach with in my building and that we can create small ripples of change, one teacher, one kid at a time by first of all, focusing and paying attention to us and what, what we can do to be that change. That's right. And when you lead by example, in that way, you give other people permission to do Mm -hmm. the same. Mm -hmm. And that's something that like, I didn't realize until so many people told me that, that like seeing the way that I structure my time and the way I live my life has made them feel like, oh, okay, well she can do it. And she's not like, you know, a total loser. (laughs) She, I don't think of her as like being like a lazy person who doesn't care. So if, she can do it. That means I can do it. Yeah. And it's, it's a whole ripple effect. I mean, I, it, I don't come up with all this stuff on my own. I, I observe other people I have other people in my life that inspire me 
and teach me like, you don't need permission to do this, Angela, like mm -hmm. just, you know, just live your life. And the more that we see other people be free, the more we feel free to be ourselves and the more we inspire others to be free. And I feel like that's, that's the goal is really like, you know, is, is liberation from these expectations that are placed on us that aren't serving us. They're not serving kids and really re-examining like, what do we want to keep? What do we want to toss? What do we want to reinvent? Mm, which is another perfect transition into asking you about the 40 hour work week club. So I know that this, this episode is going to air here in mid June. And so tell us a little bit about how you bring those elements into the 40, 40 hour work week. And just, just tell us all the things about, you know, maybe what the focus is, what are, you know, who are the right people for this program and how it will help them to, to pay more attention and to make time for the things that matter most. You know, what's so interesting about 40 hour is like, I almost quit doing it in the beginning um, because I got so much pushback because there were so many people who resented the idea that teachers should even create boundaries. And I'm talking about educators who felt like if you don't want to give this all you've got, then you're not in the right profession. Mm. Like you just don't care about kids. And it's, it's been a long journey, even I think back to that word permission, giving for teachers to see that they have permission to value themselves mm -hmm. and care about their own needs and to feel like streamlining your work doesn't mean you don't care about kids, you know, and any other profession, if you find a more efficient, effective way to do your job, you're rewarded. You're probably going to get a promotion and a raise and education. If you find a more efficient way to do your job, like people are going to say, why don't you care about kids? Why would you want to do this in less time? Why do you need to leave earlier? What, what, what leaving at three o'clock? Why is that a goal? Like mm -hmm. you should want to stay here. Don't you like, don't you want to do everything that we're doing? And so it's, it's learning how to identify how toxic that culture is. And as you said, in the very beginning, I think COVID illuminated that for so many people, mm -hmm. you know, the education space is so different than in 2015 when I first started this program. And there are so many more people, um, you know, as you know, also through your work with burnt and teacher, like people are more and more receptive to this. I feel like with every year that passes, realizing that if you give everything that's asked of you in this profession, you will burn out. Like you cannot possibly meet all of those different expectations. So I feel like 40 hour is a place for like-minded educators to come together and say, um, we reject this idea that it, you have to work nonstop on your evenings and weekends to do a great job for kids. There has to be a sustainable way to approach teaching. We have to be able to maximize our contractual hours. And that's where the 40 hour comes from. It's not like, oh, we're all only going to work 40 hours a week. It's you're being paid to work 40 hours a week or thereabouts. So how can you really get the most important things done then so that you don't have to bring so much work home mm -hmm. and coming back to that piece about intentionality. So some people can just do it on their own. I mean, not everyone wants a program for something like that, but other people like to have accountability. They like to have support. They like to have teachers to bounce ideas off of. And some people are like, I am exhausted and I just cannot reinvent the wheel. Like, just tell me what to do. Like, how, how do I streamline grading? How do I make lesson planning easier? Just like, give me the systems that have already worked for other teachers. So I don't have to carve out my own path here because I'm like, I'm drowning help. <laughs> and that's good to do too. And then I think there's also people who um, are already really great teachers 
and they just want to find ways to do the job better in less time. Mm -hmm. And they've kind of reached the end of their rope in terms of what they can figure out through trial and error. And they need just that little extra push to help them think outside the box. And so that's really what 40 hour offers. Um, it's something that begins each summer. It lasts for a whole year. So you get support during each season of the school year. It's not like, oh, let me just read this one thing, implement one thing. And then I forget about it. Mm -hmm. It really is ongoing personal and professional development kind of wrapped into one. Um, so that's been my vision since day one. And now this summer we're adding 40 hour leadership and 40 hour instructional coaching to try to create change school-wide. And I'm really excited about that. I am really excited about that too. So you used to open it also in January, but that's not happening anymore. This is, this is the only open window from June through July. Correct. We did for the first couple of years, we did January too. January also, um, in addition to July. And honestly, it was just never as popular. Like I feel like starting a, a new year for teachers is the summer. Like it's, mm -hmm. we started a new school year in August, September, like that's it. You, we don't start in January. And there were just so many teachers who said, I just, I want to wait till summer. So I was like, you know what, let's just go all out with this mm -hmm. <laughs> summertime. We'll cut the January launch and we'll just, you know, let, let's do what works for teachers. So yes, it is once a year now. The instructional coaching and leadership programs, you can begin at any time because those are not year long programs. Okay. Um, but the teacher program, you do it actually with a cohort of other educators. So we all start at once. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so tell us the specific dates. So it is open now. Um, the early bird period is June where you get extra bonuses to help you figure out how you want to use your summer to uh, rejuvenate, rest, re-energize. And it kicks off uh, the beginning of July and it closes, the doors close July 15th. Okay, all right. So what can people expect, you know, at the beginning of July, August, September, what are some things that, that you'll be covering or teaching in the 40 hour work week? So we start off talking about how to create a self-running classroom. Mm -hmm. So this is an idea about, um, automating how your classroom runs, right? Really giving kids ownership. So we talk about classroom job systems, um, which often secondary teachers have never thought about. They think about that as being something that just the little kids do, but actually, you know, secondary kids don't like just sitting there and having the teacher tell them what to do all the time. They love to be in charge of things mm -hmm. and have ownership of stuff. And there's all kinds of things that you can delegate to students and take completely off your plate so that you're not responsible for managing it. You just have to train them. You have to teach them how to take ownership and create a system that truly is self-running. So, um, you know, they support one another in carrying it out and you're not having to oversee everything. So that's a big part of it. Um, also thinking about how you design your classroom for productivity. Mm -hmm. So we talk about how you are the UX specialist for your classroom, meaning like, uh, like a user, um, uh, the phrase is user experience. Yes. It's like that. Like your user design for on a website, like the web developer's responsibility is to make sure the website is easy to navigate, that you can find what you're looking for. And we've all been on poorly designed sites before. And it's so frustrating because you're mm -hmm. clicking all over the place and you're at sending unnecessary support messages where it's like, if the site had just been designed better, you wouldn't have even had to ask for help. You yes. could have just done it independently. And if we think about our classrooms in that way, well, you can set up your classroom to support your routines and procedures so that kids aren't asking for help, so that they know intuitively what to do. So there's built-in reminders and it's sort of like a fail-safe program where it's actually harder for kids not to follow the procedure mm -hmm. than to do the procedure, to really automate it and, and make it make sense. So it's not just about a classroom that looks nice, 
but one that really runs smoothly. Mm-hmm. So that, those are just two of the things that we talk about in July. And you just kind of pick and choose what you want to do. You don't have to do it all. Not everything is going to apply to you or appeal to you. So there's lots of different choices for all the way K through 12. And you just pick the ideas that you want and you can come back to it because you don't lose access to it. So a lot of people come back a second year, a third year, a fourth year. Um, you don't have to pay again. You never lose access. So you can just work right back through those same materials and and go back to the things that you skipped. Because I think productivity really is a lifelong experiment. It's not like once and for all, I got it. Everything's great. You change, your school changes, your students are different every year. And so learning to think of it as this giant experiment, like I'm just going to try things out and see what works and, and keep experimenting and streamlining until I find things that that work better for me and my kids. It can be a really fun process when you think about it like that. Mm -hmm. I love it. And I am strongly considering joining myself to take myself to the next level. I'm pretty good at organizing and, and productivity. Um, but I, I have to admit over the last several years, it's always piqued my curiosity. Um, and now that I'm going back, I'm thinking, why not? Yes. Why not? We would love to have you in the program. And of course <laughs> I would love to. And I, I am an affiliate now for right. the our work week. So I will definitely let people know about this at the beginning of the episode as well as of how they can learn more, sign up and, and join us because I'm, I'm so, so ready and I'm so excited about it. Yes. I want you to be going through the program with them and sharing what you learn and supporting each other. Yeah. That I think that's going to be amazing. And I'm really, I'm excited for you. Oh, thank you so much. Well, Angela, can you let people know how they can find you if in the small chance that they've never heard of you, where it is (laughs) that they can learn more about you? Um, you can go to truthforteachers.com. We are transitioning my whole website over to that. That's going to be launching in August, but that URL does work now. That's the best place to just find links to absolutely everything. Truthforteachers.com. Okay. Fantastic. Angela, thank you so much for joining us here today. It has been such a pleasure and really a dream come true. I have been listening to you for years and years, and you really have paved the way over the last almost 20 years for this focus on teacher well-being and systemic change. And I just, I really appreciate all of the work that you've done. Well, I really appreciate you saying that, Amber, because I think you are amazing and I'm really happy to be here. And I am a huge fan and supporter of your work as well. So it's just really cool to connect with people who have like-minded visions. Oh, thank you. Well, I know this is not the last time that we're going to talk. So definitely not. (laughs) I'm so excited to keep this going. Well, my friends, take a deep breath because you just took another step to becoming a burned in teacher. Burn on everybody. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, you can head over to burnedinteacher.com where you can access the entire vault of burned in teacher podcast episodes and more information about ways I want to help you go from burned out teacher to burned in human. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would be so grateful if you would head over to iTunes and leave a review and a rating about the Burned In Teacher podcast. Until next time, take a deep breath because you just took another step to becoming a Burned In Teacher. Burn on.